You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings, Falls Church off Route 7 in Leesburg Pike. Come on by and say hello. We're here till 6.30 tonight. In one hour, you'll hear Ron Rivera's press conference with the media today, including asked about the quarterback situation again. It's Heineke going into San Francisco, but he acknowledged that they may make a quarterback change as we move forward, something you will hear at 6 o'clock right here on The Fan. But... Right now, we get to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. And we are joined by Jay Gruden, the former head coach here in Washington of this outfit. Jay, we appreciate the time. Let's start. Paint with a broad brush for us. What did you think of last night? That's a tough loss. You know, it's a tough loss, especially to end the way it did with the controversial call, controversial calls that happened. You never want it to come down to a referee call or have that be a reason for your defeat, but had a lot to do with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, they didn't play good enough on offense uh, to get the W. It's been, a, if, if this was just one time coach where they didn't have a good first half, you know, maybe you give credit to the giants plan or, you know, they executed very well uh, talking about on defense, you'd kind of chalk that up, but this has been a pretty common theme where they just haven't had much in the first half of games. I think of the, the Colts game, top of my head, the Vikings game, uh, I think against Atlanta, the first game against the Giants, I feel like there wasn't much doing. It's been emblematic here. It's been frustrating where they haven't gotten off to these very good starts and have relied on these fast and furious comebacks. H- how did they start better? You know, the style of play that they play with is not going to be very um... – it's not going to be very – you're not going to score a lot of points the way they play. You know, they have to hand the ball off. They have to do the short intermediate passing game, and that means you're going to have to have a lot of 12-play, uh, 80-yard drives unless you get great field position set up by your defense. If your defense isn't creating turnovers and you got to go to the long field, they're not going to have a high-scoring day. It's just not going to happen. They're not built that way. So the only chance they have is to figure out ways to get bigger plays, and uh, right now they can't do it. They just don't have the ability to make big plays, 40-, 50-yard chunk plays. What did you make of how often they ran it? There's been a lot of issue people have taken with not enough Brian Robinson. 12 for 89 last night, 7 a pop. Seemed like every time he touched the ball, he was getting close to 10. And then he wasn't a big factor in the second half, but yet they moved the ball. So how do you parse that up? Well, I think they got down, right? They were down 14 to 3 at one time, and they had to get some points. They had to speed up the game a little bit, play a little quicker. You know, the sack fumble touchdown, that hurt them because, uh, you know, the game was back and forth, and it was a typical Washington game. It was 3 to nothing at that time, and they gave it the sack fumble, and then Saquon Barkley had the touchdown. I think it was 14-3 to at one time. And then I think you have to step on the gas a little bit, be a little bit more aggressive, and, and it takes your running game out a little bit. Jig Gridden with us here on Grant and Danny. So, uh, Coach, I'm just thinking about this now. If you were, you know, in, in the hot seat, you know, with the headset on, with the challenge flag in your pocket, what would go into your mind in terms of changing a quarterback? Just thinking out loud kind of with this team in the, in the situation. You struggle in the first half, not much doing in a lot of different ways, but you know if you, if you benched Heineke, you'd miss out on whatever, whether it's real or not, that late-game magic where he's scrambling around on a fourth and four making a play here and there. But you also kind of just can't keep going with what was happening. 
When would you say, okay, now's the time to make a change when you got somebody like Wentz waiting in the wings? Well, maybe you wouldn't need the late-game magic if you're playing better on offense in the first three quarters. So, you know, there's a lot to do with that. I, I don't know. I'm not in that building. I'm not at practice every day. I don't know who's throwing the ball better at practice, who's got the team uh, rallying behind them. You know, obviously Heineke is a great guy, and, and uh, people love to play for him and with him. Uh, but at the end of the day, is he a good enough passer to be a quarterback that can bring a team back or to maintain drives or have success through four quarters of a game. I, I just don't know if that's the case. He does make some good plays here and there, but consistently, consistency is really his issue. Accuracy is his issue consistently. Uh, size becomes a problem, um, and he just can't make the throws necessary to be a top NFL quarterback. He's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but uh, with the receivers that they have at Washington, they should be better on offense. Jay Gruden here on Grant and Danny. What did you think of the illegal shift call against Terry? Have you seen I would, that before? Uh, probably. I, I, I don't know if I would have I, – I don't know what I would have done. I might have run across the field and tackled that referee. I, I don't understand how you can make that call. It's the worst call I've seen. I, I, I can see a judgment call, a pass interference call. They didn't call it. They did call it maybe. But to make that call in that part of the game I think is, is just – that, that referee should be suspended in my opinion. That's a horrible call. Uh, especially a guy like Terry. He's been lined up over there all game. He lined up in that same formation probably 25 times throughout the course of the game. He's standing right from him. He pointed at the ground twice. I mean, come on. You don't throw a flag in that situation ever. Yeah, it's, it, that's what amazes me. Like, everyone's parsing up the did he point at him, did he not point at him, did he know he was on the line, did he not? And my point is, forget all of that for a second. It couldn't be further removed from the play. It's a dive between the, the guards straight ahead with Terry split out, worst-case scenario, let's say he was a yard off the line of scrimmage, you go up to him and you go, hey, man, mind your P's and Q's here going forward. You were two feet too far back. They, they just scored a touchdown to potentially tie the game, and you're throwing a flag on that on a guy 20 yards from the, the play? I it just happens all the time. It. You know, a lot of times when left tackles or right tackles, they line up a little bit, bit too deep in the backfield, the referees will come up to the coach and say, hey, your tackles will line up a little bit deep. Uh, if they keep doing it, we're going to throw a flag. And that's the same case with Terry. I mean, it's unbelievable they threw that flag. I, 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 I Don't get me started on that referee. So, Jay, do, do you what, know the referee himself, like who it was? I, and like, I don't know his name, but I, I remember him. I, yeah. Oh, I don't like any so, referees. <laughs> but, like, that referee specifically, <laughs> when you see him, you're like, oh, I remember that guy. He did this dumb thing. It's, it makes no sense. Like, there's no way he can justify that call. There's no chance he can justify that call, making that call at that time of the game. Uh, what happened on the play? It's not like it was a bump and run fade route where Terry was trying to get further off the ball to avoid bump and run. No, this is a, a dive up the middle, for God's sakes. I mean, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Jay, I feel, no, don't, be, don't you dare apologize to us. I, I, I think I remember a time, I think it was when you were coaching, and I could be wrong about this. Where every you know offensive lineman in the history of the world, either on special teams or when they're in in jumbo, like with an extra lineman coming in, does that thing where they rub the front of their shirt right in front of yeah. the referee, and they go, "Yeah, no problem. That's you're eligible." And then they make the announcement, and you know maybe it's a trick play, maybe it's not. I remember there was a time where a guy did that for Washington, and the referee was like, "Cool, sounds good, man." And then like threw the flag, and it was like, "Dude, we we just I thought we had a moment. I thought we made eye contact." What are the mechanics supposed to be? Right there. In other words, I saw a response from that ref, from that guy on the sideline, uh, when McCorn signaled to him. He moved a little bit. Again, maybe not far up enough, but it seemed to be that we had an understanding. What are the mechanics supposed to be in that moment? Kind of what's expected? The mechanics were correct. Terry was off the ball too much, and then he 
was told to move up, and Terry moved up and pointed the ball, and they snapped the ball and ran the touchdown. The, the referee did the right thing initially. Terry did the right thing by scooting up, and the guy still threw the flag. It's crazy. Yeah, so I'm looking at the pull report question, and Hussey, I guess this is John Hussey, I think was the head ref last night maybe. Um, he said, well, I didn't see any of that, meaning him pointing and all that stuff. He said, I'm in the backfield. What I was told and what has been confirmed is that the ball was snapped at the half-yard line, and he was lined up a yard back at the one-and-a-half-yard line. In order to be deemed legal, he needs to break the belt line, the waist of the center, and he was not breaking the waistline of the center. That's why the penalty was called, because he was not in a legal formation. Then he was asked, when a player does point to the official like that, does the official have to say whether he's in line or not? He said, no, not typically. The official could be doing a lot of things, like counting the offense. There's a multitude of different duties, so I can't confirm whether the official even saw that or not, but he was clearly off the line of scrimmage. That's what they said to the pool reporter after the game. Yeah, that's the that's, that's a good line by them, but clearly it was a bad call, and it didn't need to be called. It was unnecessary. had no impact on the play. Um, yeah, it's, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be going crazy. Yeah, no doubt. So then one other, I guess, call or – to ask you about, and we are of the belief this isn't why they lost the game for the record, but they were big moments at the end of the game. The OPI, or the DPI rather, uh, which was pretty clear and obvious. I mean, is there anything you could do as a coach then? or, or uh, I'm sure you send it no, to you're at the mercy. You're back, at the mercy right? of these, these PI calls. You're at the mercy of the referees, and it's unfortunate because they are huge plays in games. I can remember when we were playing Houston and uh, Alex Smith went, down and Colt McCoy came in and we threw uh, we were down by two we threw a, a corner out to Josh Doxson with about 20 seconds to go in the game and the safety jumped over the top of his head and the corner was holding his jersey and if we get that PI call we kick a 35 yard field goal instead we lose the game you know you're just at the mercy on these calls and that, that was clearly past interference he had his hands around his back uh around his front and he didn't allow him to jump and clearly inhibit him from making a play on the ball. That's that's holding or PI, one or the other. You got to make the call. Should those be reviewable? And I know it's late enough in the game there that no one would have had a challenge flag anyway. But should we be able to review PIs? You think or no? Well, when you see the impact that these have on games, I, I think these penalties that are more than 15 yards uh, and have this much of an impact on a game, I think they should be somehow. I can remember sitting in coaches' meetings and. Coach Belichick and a lot of people say, we get three challenges. Why can't we just challenge whatever the heck we want? Uh, And you only get the three. And if you lose the first one, you only get one. I mean, you still got to be selective in your challenges. But some of these plays are are gigantic, momentum-changing type plays that affect the course of a game, the course of a season. And uh, I I believe there needs to be a way to review some of these pass interferences, if not all of them. Jay, this Chase Young saga, Grant and I are just, you know, pudgy dolts who who follow the team. But the – He's going to play in this next week. Then we get late in the week, and well, it turns out he's questionable. And then, you know, the report, well, yeah, it's not going to be this week, but it's next week. We've been doing this for a month and a half at this stage. It's, it's exasperating. It's frustrating. And it's, it's hard not to sound like you're being angry at the player who's coming back from a very serious injury. So you want to give a lot of grace there. But this process has been really frustrating. What do you make of it, and how would you handle it? Yeah, I think you can't do anything as a coach when it comes to injuries. You know, I had similar type – instances with concussions and injuries and and all that stuff you're at the mercy of the trainer and the player and that's the way it has to be if the player doesn't feel like he's 100 percent or can make the impact that he feels like he needs to make at the position he's playing then maybe you should hold him out you know chase young 
uh, is not probably as dynamic of a player if he's not running his 4 4 or he doesn't push off or have the same change of direction that he needs to be uh, productive. Um, so he's probably waiting until he becomes 100%. I mean, this is a tough game, and you don't want this injury to come back. You want it to be full strength, and you want that player who's as dynamic as him to be at full strength because if he's not, he's just an ordinary guy. But did you have a situation at any point where physically a player was cleared, the doctors and the team was saying, hey, it's time to play, and for weeks and weeks you couldn't get him on the field because I don't know who's making the decision, but mentally, even though they're physically saying, the only thing that's left to do, Rivera said this publicly, the only thing he could possibly do now is just play in games and trust his leg, but he's having this mental problem trusting his leg and feeling like he can go do it. I mean, that's – it's a scary place to be. I don't want to use the word yips or anything like that, but, I mean, there is something going on here where the doctors, according to Rivera, at a press conference two weeks ago, have been clearing him for, for a while now, and he's still not able to get on the field. And it seems more like it, it's less that the team's not trying to play him, but he doesn't feel ready. Like, how do you get over that hurdle? Did you ever deal with anything like that? Yeah, you deal with a lot of those instances, but you have to understand, like I mentioned before, that if he's not mentally 100% into it, then he's not going to help your team anyway. You don't want him on the field until he feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, I'm gung-ho, I'm ready to go, I'm going to give it all I got. You don't want him to be out on the field and playing on third and eight in a critical situation and, and jogging off the ball, afraid to turn the corner because he's going to get hurt. Uh, you want him to be guns, guns loaded and ready to go. So until he feels like that and has that mentality to play the game the way it's supposed to be played, you don't want them out there anyway. So I totally understand that. But the problem I have, Jay, is that it's the it's the, the buildup in the beginning and then the disappointment in the end. If, if that's the way it's going to go, then we can't keep setting the expectation like, okay, this is the week, and then pull the rug again. Does that make sense? Because I think it ends up unfairly kind of, you know, some of the, I don't know, it's like you're holding up the umbrella and some of the water ends up getting on Chase Young. Like, people are ending up a little bit annoyed with the player, which I think is unfair, but we're just in this endless saga. I, I just feel like there's got to be something different in communication where we change the expectations so we're not let down each and every week. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I think when you say that he's out there practicing and he's going to be, you know, right. possible this week and it's five weeks later, then, yeah, that's a problem. You know, somebody's got somebody's either lying to you or maybe they're trying to uh, – make the other team feel like, oh, prepare for Chase Young, which shouldn't matter anyway. But uh, I don't know. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I, it's hard for me to speak on it because I'm not there. But uh, it has been a long time for this injury. He should be out there probably. But you never know. Some injuries, some of these knee injuries take a little bit longer than others. You just never know. Jay, I understand you know, we're talking about Heineke and some of the shortcomings. But there's just too much talent at wide receiver for them not to, to have a better offense. I mean, when you see some of the plays Jahan Dotson made last night, where he was routing people up on the sideline, getting his feet in, the 60-yard the adjustment he made on the, on the deep shot, where they actually finally did hit a home run from Heineke. You know, and he might be your three you know, or your two, but you got a guy you drafted in the first round. You got McLaurin, who's one of the best in the league. You got Samuel, who's made at a top-ten level. And, and you know, every time they play a football game, they're hoping to get to 17 points. Like, those two things can't be the same. I'm, I'm just curious if someone who designs offense, schemes people up, did a lot more with a lot less at times, like what you think when you watch this passing game? Uh, you definitely feel like they're underachieving, that's for sure. However, there could be other instances involved, not just Heineke. Maybe their offensive line, they don't feel good about the protection. 
Uh, you saw the sack by Thibodeau, uh, Thibodeau, whatever his name is, uh, the sack fumble. His name's game record. <laughs> yeah, the game record. You saw that. So maybe, you know, they're they're a little bit less inclined to call some of these deeper developing routes to get these guys running. You know what I mean? You know, the, all these little short crossing routes are fine and dandy, but it'd be nice to see some high crosses, some deep corners and all that stuff. But maybe Scott just doesn't have the confidence in the line and, uh, and or the quarterback to get the ball down the field to see it. So, there's a lot of variables variables involved to try to get this passing game going, and protection is a main cause of it, uh, maybe the, the shortcomings of it. What did you see from the O-line uh, last night? I mean, there were bouts like you're talking about where, where Thibodeau was flying around the edge, and he, he was obviously a factor that with the sacks and the quarterback hits, tackles for loss, et cetera. But it seemed like there were moments where this Washington offensive line was holding their own, and there were other times where it seemed like there were some breakdowns. You know, What would you have been comfortable calling, and how did you grade them from last night? Yeah, I think they did a little bit better, but still, you know, the sack fumble is is tough, tough to deal with, and it's yeah. tough mentally as a coach. That, man, we can't even protect this quick of a drop, and uh, you're going to get a sack fumble. It has an effect on you as a play caller. Um, you have to use chips and all that stuff. But I think the offensive line did pretty good. Um, I still think their strength is running the ball um, with Robinson. Um, they got to do it like 18 to 25 times, and then the play action, and then the quick game. Um, I think that's where they're at as a team. I don't think they're good enough to really pass protect for deeper type developing routes like I mentioned earlier. And a lot of teams are like that. They're in the same boat. There's nothing wrong with that. You can still get to play the ball to your playmakers, but you just got to get it out a little bit quicker. Jay Gruden on Grant and Danny with us every single Monday at 5 o'clock. A couple of things I want to bounce around and ask you about, uh, starting with Tampa Bay. They are 6-8. and eight. They gave up after falling behind. They, they led 17-3 and fell behind 2017. But they, at one point in time, gave up 34 consecutive points or 34 consecutive points to Cincinnati. Are they just bad? I mean, is it time to just say, yeah, it's Brady, yeah, it's a team that recently won a Super Bowl, but they actually aren't good? Well, the second half was one of the worst halves I've seen ever in pro football on offense. They had interception, fumble, interception, fumble, fumble, interception, I think. It was, I mean, talk about self-inflicted wounds. It wasn't like Cincinnati was taking ball away. I mean, we were just giving, they were just giving the ball away. Um, And Brady had some uncharacteristically bad throws. One was a bad throw. The other one was tipped. Then he fumbled in the pocket, bad ball security. And then Leonard Fournette and him had a bad exchange. They're just giving the ball away to Cincinnati. And Cincinnati had a short field like five times in a row. And that's something that Washington needs to have happen every now and then. they got to get some takeaways, give Washington a short field every now and then instead of having to drive 80 yards. Uh, but, yeah, that was a total debacle in the second half by Tampa Bay. Jay, quick one on Dallas. After a few weeks where they looked unbeatable, looked awesome, offense, defense, everything clicking, they were shaky last week against a, a Houston Texas team that's going to pick first, and then they blew a lead against Jacksonville and ended up losing in overtime. Uh, what's your diagnosis there? Yeah, I think they're a little inconsistent right now, but I still think they're going to be pretty good and tough to beat um, once they get Lawrence back. I don't feel like their defensive line is getting the same amount of pressure as they have early in the year. I don't know if they're missing some guys, but uh, their their forte on defense is getting heat on the quarterback, and Lawrence had a lot of time. Uh, hats off to Jacksonville's offensive line, but uh, Dak's got to eliminate the turnovers. You know, he threw a bad turnover um, to get Jacksonville back in the game, and then obviously they'll pick six in the overtime, but um, they're a good football team as long as they stick with their guns and, and run the ball and then hit some play-action passes a CD. Jalen Hurts is hurt. He may not play for at least a couple of weeks. Sounds like he'll be out against the Cowboys this weekend. There's conflicting reports, but it sounds like maybe a, a shoulder problem for him. Uh, if he doesn't play, how good are the Eagles? Because he's an MVP candidate, but they got a lot going for them other than Hurts. Yeah, they do. I don't know who who's their backup. I don't even know. 
Gardner, Gardner Minshew, Minshew, your boy. Oh, Minshew, yeah, yeah. He called plays be for fine. him last time he was starting. Yeah, that's awesome. He'll be he'll be fun to watch. You know, they're still a competitive team. You see what happens in San Francisco when your quarterback goes out. If you're able to put another guy in here and don't ask him to do too much and not throw the ball 45 times a game, let's hand the ball off to Miles Sanders. Let's throw the quick game. Let's let our defense play and, and keep the game close. We'll be fine, and I think Philadelphia will be fine, and Gardner's a good quarterback. Jay, always appreciate it, man. Have a great Christmas, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, guys. See you, brother. Be good. There's Jay Gruden with us on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Always great to have him on. We got the Ron Rivera press conference. We'll play for you at 6 o'clock. He discussed the quarterback situation moving forward. Uh, Let's react to what he had to say, though. Let's get into that next here on The Fan. I, I don't know what I would have done. I might have run across the field and tackled that referee. I, I don't understand how you can make that call. It's the worst call I've seen. I, I, I can see a judgment call, a pass interference call. They didn't call it. They did call it maybe. But to make that call in that part of the game, I think is, is just the, that, that referee should be suspended, in my opinion. That's a horrible call. Gruden should have a strong opinion, huh? Maybe, maybe he should find a way to have a, a stronger take. That referee should be suspended, Jay says. How about that? Welcome I, back. Yeah, I don't know what the rule is there, but I would. I would just say, you know what you're not doing this weekend is working an NFL game. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's be serious for a second. We have quibbled, not you and I, but just all of us as fans, over the machinations of, did Terry point at him? Did he move forward? Did the ref tell him? To call that, I don't care if he's lined up in uh, D.C. proper. He was not involved in the play at all. This happens all the time. I promise you, it happens constantly. A guy's not on the line correctly to the letter of the law, and a ref will go up to him after the play and go, hey, Clary, you got to move up, man. You're five feet behind. Like, this, there is an, it's not like the principal and the student where you're not, you don't talk to each other in the hallway. Refs and players are engaged in a dialogue all game long. Hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. Hey, he's holding me. All right, but, you know, you'd help me make the call. If you throw your hands up, now I know you're getting held. They're talking. Like, they're, there is a professional decorum and back and forth here. That was the biggest play of the game. It was an and one from the goal line on a third and goal. They scored a touchdown, and you threw a flag on a guy who was 100 feet from the play. I don't care about anything else. Like, this is not about you, man, referee. This has nothing to do with you. Tell him, hey, you were a foot too far back. Okay, cool. I'll I'll get it right next time. So, yeah, I, I just, I'm with Jay. I think it was abhorrent, and it was ridiculous. And the P.I. was missed. But what I'm not going to sit here and do is pretend like that was the whole night. It just wasn't. That's not reality. And stuff like that happens all the time. Sometimes you benefit. When you didn't get a P.I. called against you against the Raiders last year when you won a fourth straight game out in Vegas. And by the way, if the the call was made, and it should have been, then they kick a game-winning field goal. When Dustin Hopkins against the Giants last year at home misses a game-winning field goal, you get another chance because they say a guy was offsides who probably wasn't. Like, when that happens, you know what we all do? We don't ask questions. We have a victory Monday where we talk about how cool it is to win. (laughs) And no one ever thinks about it again. 
We high-five and we go celebrate, right? That's what we do. Sometimes you got to pay the piper. It evens out probably in the end. But last night you didn't get a couple of calls. Happens. Don't have a sack fumble. That get, leads to a touchdown. Don't score 12 points over the course of four quarters. Don't punt from your opponent's 34. Don't fumble inside the 15-yard line on a long drive. No, don't have three points at halftime with 40 passing yards. Any of these things that you control go differently, and all of a sudden, those last two plays matter a lot less. And you'll never hear anyone mention this. And I don't even want to mention it because I'm on your side. I'm not on the other side. I'm with you guys. If you're wearing burgundy and gold, I'm with you, right? Every year, Christmas time, since I was a baby. I want Redskins stuff, Mom. Nobody has mentioned today that immediately before those two calls, Taylor Heineke threw an interception into the hands of a defensive back who was just waiting in the end zone. And because, and this is, this is actually a Heineke skill, so I'm going to give him full credit. I'm not going to say horseshoe or he got lucky or anything. Heineke has figured out how to put English on the ball so that defensive backs can't catch it. He's the only quarterback in the league who does this. I heard about it. I read it. It was in the ringer. He, he, he spins the ball in this certain way, yep. and only his team can catch it. In fact, when the defensive player gets his hands on the ball, it shocks them like an electric collar for a dog. And they, the longer they hold on to it, the more painful it is. And there's actually a fear in the league you go into cardiac arrest if you keep the football. H-U-H-A. Horseshoe up his bleep. So that's, that's, how, that's the That thing. was right before that, but yes. no one talks about I know. The, it was a dropped interception. If, if that was a pick, then it's just the Wentz play against the Titans, and we're not talking about the missed calls. Totally. So I, we, we, I, I say we. The, the commanders were lucky, and we as a fan base were lucky that they even had two plays to run after that. that they, got, they were in a position to get hosed by those calls. And by the way, they were on the wrong end of those calls. They were both bad, both wrong, both incorrect said this at the beginning of the show, if you want to legislate that way, then we got to walk up to Philadelphia with our tail between our legs and say, hey, sorry, that Dallas Goddard fumble where Jamin Davis almost ripped his helmet off with a face mask, you guys deserve to win that game too. So you get, you get that one back. We'll take this game. By the way, the, the desperation plea was just to tie it to potentially give the Giants a chance with the football last and maybe go into overtime and sort of see what happens. That wasn't some game-winning play that was going to happen. You still had to go for two and get it. Yeah, the two-point conversion. Then you had to play D against the Giants, needing only a field goal, probably against kind of some kind of like soft preventative type defense where they had two timeouts in a minute. You're, you're so, in an unacceptable spot is my point. So, yeah, they got screwed. But they, they dug their hole, and they're down there in this in Bain's pit, and they're like, oh, man. But I do blah, wonder. Blah. Like, you guys, like for the folks sitting here, don't you watch the league sometimes and just go, how do they make that call? Like, what? I go back to the Colts Vikings game with mm-hmm. the if you guys remember that they called him down on the fumble when it was returned for a touchdown. Yep. The guy is standing up like the, like like as tall as you can like he's measuring his height with at the doctor's office with his back to a wall and they say he's down. Now, clearly they had to have thought someone who fell like a lineman was with their peripheral vision or something <laughs> was the running back or I don't know, but it's one of those like, how does that call get made? It's it's a such it's a multi billion dollar industry where it's so much money changes hands. The technology is incredible, and yet there. I, I, even, I even tweeted this. I'm funny, Danny Grant's at Grant H. Paulson. I'm amazed that in a league where everything is so sophisticated, and so incredible. Like at one point there was like a guy with an index card being like, "Yep, that's a first down," or you yeah. know, 
they just kind of shrug their shoulders and go, hey, this obviously happened, but we can't do anything about it. I just I, I don't know how to write the rule. I'm not smart enough. I'm just here at Buffalo Wild Wings talking about the commanders. I need some smart person. Get, a, get, get like three dudes from MIT, a couple guys from Palo Alto, put them in a room and say, make it so that when this happens, we can just go, okay, this was obvious. That's a touchdown for Minnesota, right? We can all agree and we can just move on with our lives. Fix that. I'm rewatching the game here. There's three minutes to go. B-Dubs has it, luckily for all of us, on the screen. So we're about to see the end of game sequence. Mm. It's 17-12 Giants. Clock is ticking. 254 and counting right now. And the Giants have the football. Very nerve-wracking. Daniel Jones just uh, went read option, stayed in bounds and got a first down. Fell just inside the chalk. So the Giants now have a new set of downs. First and 10 with 240 to go. Wonder what's going to happen. All right, let's go to Chris in Hyattsville. What's up, Chris? How are you? Chris DeVere. What's up, guys? Hey, listen, I wanted to tell Darius not to feel bad about the Grinch stealing his thunder because uh, according to the Twitter, uh, there are a lot of women that think the Grinch has a BDE, as the kids call it, Chris. and uh, want to bang Family him. show. Inappropriate, Chris. Yeah. Christopher. How dare you, sir? I'm First just saying, the, the Grinch... The Grinch got game, so that's mm. probably what happened. Mm-hmm. That's very pro- possible. Very likely what happened. I, I, I don't also, know about uh, those circles on Twitter. I've, I haven't seen that. I'll take his word it's for it. It's not on my feed. Uh, what else you got, Chris? So, or was, you just want to call us to tell us the Grinch is hot? <laughs> um, this, is, this is an opinion. That's not my, not on my oh, opinion. Oh, oh uh, of course. Know, of course I'm doing, yeah. I conduct research on the Internet. Understood. So the, I was call, originally called in about the blame pie. I go 70% Turner, 20% uh, Carl, the referee. Hi, Carl. Good to see see you. you. Carl, so good to see you. Uh, And uh, 10% Taylor. Uh, I actually think Taylor played decent. Uh, Ball security was his big problem, and it's been his big problem the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, also, can someone just please block uh, Thibodeau? I, I don't really understand what so much you're going to on there. Oh, I mean, he was so good. And, and I don't think – thanks for the call, man. I don't think he's had a great rookie season. I know early on he was quiet. He, there was some kind of weird injury around draft time I think he was probably getting all the way back healthy from. But he had the huge sack against Washington last time these two teams played uh-huh. two weeks ago, last game. And then last night he was Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Vaughn Miller. Like, name your defensive end who wins the DPOI award. He was that guy last yeah, night. Yeah, slow start, but business has started to pick up. Lately. How many sacks does he have? Because he has two in the last two games, and that doesn't even begin to talk about the impact he had last So he's night. only got three sacks that's, that's over the course crazy of the season. But, the, the, again, the first half of the year is kind of a wash, sort of getting his feet wet in a rotation, not playing all that much, uh, and then it's really started to pick up here. He had five quarterback hits against Dallas. You mentioned the sacks. Uh, the, the, the TFL numbers, three this past week against Washington. He all of a sudden looks the part. What shouldn't we forget about that's not getting enough run? What aren't we talking about today that we should be? You guys get to steer that next at 800-636-1067. We're live at Buffalo Wild Wings in Falls Church off Leesburg Pike. We're Grant and Danny. This is the fan. Welcome back to Buffalo Wild Wings via your radio. That's where we're chilling today. Falls Church off of Leesburg Pike. We're Grant and Danny. 
They're locked into the fan. Phone line's filling up at 800-636-1067. People want to talk about what we're forgetting. We'll fire the open in just a moment so that we can do this thing the right way formally. Uh, before we do, though, want to remind people, or if you're just jumping in the car getting out of work, let you know maybe for the first time, Eagles could be in some trouble this weekend. They're playing the Cowboys, and Jalen Hurts is hurt. I was muted. What did you mute me for? You didn't, I didn't, hear, you. You didn't want to hear me talk anymore? I get it. Don't same, blame me. Same room for a couple of decades now, it seems like. Anyway, where were we? Yeah, sprained shoulder looks like. So one report said it was much more severe than that. I've seen no corroboration of that, so that might just be a lone wolf who's looking for some clicks. But I've seen uh, several credible NFL reporters say it's a sprained shoulder. They're sort of going to take their time with it. It's the Gardner Minshew Show in Philadelphia. All about the Gardner Minshew Show. All right, what shouldn't we forget about? What needs some attention? Let's get to it. All right, let's go rapid fire here. A little hurry-up offense. Umir's in Woodbridge to get us started. What shouldn't we forget about? What aren't people talking enough about today? Umir, what do you got? Yeah, thanks for taking my call, guys. Yes, uh, let's not forget that the fans really showed up last night for the Commanders. Unfortunately, oh. the result of the game didn't, didn't favor us, but it was a vibe in the stadium. I went to the game last night. I froze my butt off. It sucks that we didn't win, but uh, don't forget that the fans did show up. But there is love for the Commanders out here. And uh, thanks for taking my call. Co-signed. Love it that was, one. Yep. The energy. Here, here. I, I was there. It was great. And uh, everyone was there early. They opened up the parking lots early. People were burning fires around their cars to stay warm. It was an awesome scene. It really felt like big-time football. Mike in Maryland, what shouldn't we forget about today? Uh, yes, sir. So uh, I just want to say before, before I go on, um, I don't like blaming the refs on, on any type of uh, loss at all. But I do want to reiterate uh, what you said earlier about the technology in the NFL uh, and the fact that the referees are getting these calls wrong so many times is just ridiculous. Uh, this is a trillion-dollar organization, and like they, they, they just really need to get it right. They need to get it right. We've seen so many bad calls this weekend, and it's been so horrible in NFL in general this season, and they need to make a change. The World Cup actually set a standard on how things should be reviewed uh, when it comes to sports, and they should really follow suit. Everything needs to be reviewable, plain and simple. Thank Appreciate you. you. Yeah, there's, well, thanks. there's just no reason not to, in my opinion. I mean, you, you get three flags, throw them when you want to, challenge when you want to. You, you, any play you like, look at it. James is in Tyson's corner on line seven. Don't forget about. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. I just want to say I love how you guys bring it back home for the fans. Like, I know everyone was pissed about those ref calls, but you're like, hey, we had plenty of chances to win that game. Taylor Heineke fumbled. Turner wasn't calling the best plays. But in any case, I don't want us to forget about Jahan Dotson because he absolutely balled out at that game. I was there, too. I'm a season ticket holder. He had four catches for 105 yards in the TD. And that one bomb that he caught, I was like, how did he catch that? So him and Terry Terry McLaurin together, like we have a bright future for our receiving core. And there's there's a lot to look forward to. That 60-yard catch was amazing. That was Deshaun – Jackson-like ball tracking. I mean, it, I, it was incredible, amazing. He's underutilized in a big way. Ned in Vienna, don't forget about. What do you got? Good afternoon, Grant and Danny. Go Bulldogs. Go Dogs. Um, Danny, you're um, – and Grant, too. Grant, you're all over this Chase Young thing, and I can tell you what's going on. Okay. If he didn't play yesterday, Chase Young will not be playing this year for the Redskins. He is on the trade block. They would love to get a first-rounder for him. They will take a second-rounder. They're happy with the people they have. Now, if we can get to the game yesterday, I wish you guys would get off all these people out here, get off Heineke, and get off Scott Turner. 
There was over 400 yards of offense yesterday. He was 17 for 29 for 260. He ran for 30. That's almost 300 yards of offense. All these other guys are great, but this quarterback sucked. It's ridiculous. It's a canard. The best guy that gives us a chance to win is Taylor Heineke, and it's not Carson Wentz. And next week, because of who we're playing, I would have Sammy Howell active. Sammy Howell's active. Love it. He's, he's activating how? Yeah, they did have 387 yards of offense. I think 384 of them were in the second half. They, they, did, they played a really good second half. There's no doubt. And I think Heineke largely played a really good second half. The red zone woes are critical, though. There, yeah. there are some numbers that support that. We can go into it. He just, he, that's where the arm strength, I think, shows up most. Maybe that and some of the vertical stuff. But they hit a couple of, of long balls last night, which was nice. Ron Rivera met with the media today. You will hear what he had to say, including when he was asked about the quarterback situation. And maybe Ned should save some of that venom for Rivera because he also seems to be wanting to see Carson Wentz. You'll hear what the head coach had to say next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 